Hello, welcome back to Deep Lore, the podcast that is neither. I'm your banished prince, Tom. <laughs> and I am your honor, Beth. And today we are talking about Avatar The Last Airbender, book one, episodes five and six, The King of Omashu and Imprisoned. Full disclosure, we've both seen these episodes probably too many times. Way too many times. So We're over it. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a little hard to find things to want to write about other than the jokes. Yeah. I know we focus on the jokes a lot because we like them, but uh, we're going to do our best to dig into other stuff. So I'm going to start with a middling at best summary of the King of Omashu here. Uh, In another detour on their way to the North Pole, Aang brings Katara and Sokka to the impressive Earth Kingdom city of Omashu for a little fun. But when the funds turn... The funds... But when the fun turns to chaos, the group is summoned before the king, who quickly recognizes Aang as the Avatar. The next day, the king forces Aang into a series of bizarre challenges. The kids wonder if the king is trying to teach Aang an important lesson, or if he's just crazy. So, we... Oh, wrong episode. Sorry. That's the the podcast. So, I would like to start with the observation that it is the city of Omashu in the Earth Kingdom, yet it seems to have its own its own king. Yeah. Which is like, so is it like a city-state kind of thing? I, like, are we doing... You I, know, we don't mention any other kings in any Earth Kingdom, because they're all like villages. Well, no, because... There's the Earth King. Well, yeah, right, right. But I'm talking about, like, <laughs> even when they go to fancy towns way later. Yeah. I mean, spoiler, they go to other towns. Uh, there's no mention of, like, royalty or, or nobility. Well, there's nobles, but they're no, like, they just have land. We don't know that they necessarily, like, lord over anything. So it's just kind of weird that just this one town is a king. It, it's really strange. I don't understand it, and I don't know if the writers could even explain it. I mean, you could probably, like, oh, historically, the Earth Kingdom was once, like, 20 different kingdoms that unified and some of them got to keep their monarchs i don't know (laughs) um i also have another point about boomy but we'll get to that later okay great so uh did you want to start with any observations about this one or mostly i just want to like comment on the humor of this episode because this episode had like a joke after joke after joke it was really good it like it doesn't give you room to like stop laughing for a second it's great it pretty much starts with a joke right out the gate, you know, Aang, like, needing a disguise. <laughs> I want to, like, comment about how Aang falls right into that character. Oh, yeah. You're talking about, uh, what's his name? Bonzu Pippin Paps Apocalypse? <laughs> nope. Nope, you nailed it. No, I didn't. <laughs> Bonzu Pippin Pat Apocalypse. Dang it. Bonzu Pippin Pack a I'm trying to get it in one take smoothly. This is a terrible so tongue twister. Can, uh, so that I can put Pippin it in pat a... No. Lops apocalypse. Lops Damn it. Apocalypse? It's not apocalypse. No. Damn it. It doesn't matter. We're not keeping any of this in. <laughs> How many takes do you think the like voice actors had to do for that? Enough. <laughs> Enough. And this is also our first sighting of the Cabbage Man, which is a uh, like a running joke through like most of the series. Yes, I've heard tell that he was originally meant to only appear in this episode, 
the like three times they wreck his cabbage, technically the avatar only destroys his cabbage two of those three times. But uh, I guess they liked him so much that they put him in later episodes. We, I don't think we see him after this until season two, though. So I think you're right. Um, this is also the first appearance, I believe, of Earthbending. Is it really? Yeah, we don't see oh my God, we it don't is. see any Earthbending. This is our introduction until, to Earthbending. I mean, we see it like in the intro graphic, like yeah. oh, the Avatar could do this thing, but we don't see like an Earthbending fight until. And we're introduced to um, Earthbending through the Omashu delivery system. Oh my God, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which the is fight that we get to. Yeah, see. which is a very clever, um, clever way of introducing it, like showing that it will have economic purposes yeah yeah they show the practical side of things yeah. it's not just combat it's also like it makes their lives easy like it, yeah. it there's a place for it in society and mm-hmm. and also that that sort of system would allow for a city like this that's like taller than it is wide it seems like mm-hmm. that, that it's sort of impractical otherwise right and that's a great way of using your magic system in a, in a, a world like this to sort of explain away something that's unrealistic. Yeah, it's well, like, oh, I mean, well, yeah, of course it's taller than it is wide because they can earthbend shit upstairs, whatever. Absolutely. And I like that we see bending used as a non, in like a non-combative way because we really didn't see much of that up until now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Katara only knows how to like barely whip water around. Yeah. I mean, Aang uses air to play all the time. Yeah. I don't know if that really counts. I don't think it counts. Yeah. Think about it. Like in a world of benders and stuff, like, is everyone going to be a fighter? No. Of course you know? not. Some you, people just want to fucking build houses. Build, build shit out of stone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I, I like that we kind of have another side to bending there. And we actually see quite a few uh, uh, non-combatants in this, considering yeah, all yeah. the art and history they apparently destroy while rampaging through the city down the oh slide. Oh my god. So good. Oh, good. I mean, I mean, there's just there's so many jokes, even in the just the sliding down the the thing, like running from those spears that get pointed at them. The the iconic freeze frame. The freeze frame as they go through the <laughs> the house, the uh, the different house they go through to the return like, of the cabbage man. Break through the yeah yeah, and then the you know earthbender guards or whatever that are like, oh, remember, man, you need to be ready for anything. Yeah, they, the freeze frame. This, yeah, the freeze frame. Yeah. yeah, that's. It's just, it's so, like, it's, I mean, you, you can, <laughs> the, all the jokes are telegraphed as soon as you see what's on screen. But. Absolutely. I, I also want to point out, like, right before they go down the slide, we get an, a, like, um, an introduction to Boomy. Oh, yeah, the flashback, yeah. The flashback to Boomy um, and what kind of person he was, and... I guess, spoiler alert, you know... The king is Boomy. The king is Boomy, this little if, boy that Aang knew as a child. If you're listening to this, you've already watched it, Yeah, so that's not really... Or you didn't, and I don't feel bad for you because you know what kind of fucking podcast this is. Come yeah, on. come on, what's wrong with you? Yeah, but it, it's a good introduction to his character. You know, he's he's got, like, this iconic snort laugh, like, the bizarre facial features. It, it's good foreshadowing for... Yeah, like, if you're paying attention, you know immediately, like, oh my god, that's... But also, this is interesting in that you have no reason to believe up to this point that anyone has a lifespan of over 100 years. Yeah. So, most of the time, you'd think, oh, well, that kid's long dead. Right. You know, but... Apparently, in Avatar, you can regularly, well, rarely live to over a hundred. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty spry for a hundred and twelve-year-old. He freaking, sure is. Like yeah. you said, he's the strongest Earthbender alive. I think. Yeah, so I, I really like that they teased that a little bit. I, I just love how much Boomy 
is like fucking with everyone all the time. Yeah, all the like time. he immediately recognizes Aang. Oh obviously, yeah. Oh yeah. No, for sure. Throw them a feast. Throw them and a feast. just it 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 really does seem until you get to know him later uh, in the episode, and then I guess in, in later yeah. episodes. But yeah. in this one, like it really does seem like oh my god, their king is deranged. It's like yeah. a Caligula situation. Like he's <laughs> he how how have they survived this long? He's doing all these random things. Side note: Can we just talk about the fact that like when they're listing their crimes, malicious destruction of cabbage is on there? Yes, I love that. Well, I don't know. That's no, like my favorite thing about the this cabbage episode. man. Like, take off their heads one yeah. for each head of cabbage, <laughs> yeah. which is like, I mean, first of all, I think you got more than three cabbages destroyed. Yeah. Secondly, like, chill the fuck out, Jesus. Yeah. It's cab, like what? Um, but during the feast, Boomy is like making weird jokes. He's so weird. Then he tricks Aang into revealing himself <laughs> as the Avatar. Yes. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. He throws the chicken at him. Which, you know, shows that he is, you know, he's crazy. Well, he's a little off, but like... He's eccentric. He's eccentric, but he's not stupid. Oh, no. He's he's, he's incredibly intelligent. Incredibly intelligent. He just is kind of wacky. Oh, you know what? Uh, going back a little bit. The guards, when we see the guards in the very beginning, the first, you know... It's, of course, another subversion kind of joke where Aang goes, the, the people of Amashu are the friendliest in the world. Immediately, like, who are you and what do you want? We're going to throw you off this bridge. Yeah. Uh, or crush you with a boulder or whatever. It's like, <laughs> it's freaking calm down. I like that it kind of sets up. We're going to have antagonists that aren't necessarily always firebenders. Mm-hmm. Like, just how we've already seen that there's different degrees of badness to that side there's also like there can be earthbenders that are just straight up dicks yeah and that's fine you know that's good to establish that early we'll see more of that later too of course you know not that the king not that boomy ends up actually being an antagonist but he feels like one for most of the episode if you don't know what's going on i like the weird like the side conversation oh oh throw them in Throw them in the chamber or whatever. Like, oh, oh you throw them in the dungeon. Yeah. Like, or, or whatever. Oh, yeah. You know? the, the, the good one or the, or the bad one? Uh, the newly refurbished one. Yeah. And yeah. It's like this just big, like, long well, explanation. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, the good chamber or the bad chamber? The newly refurbished chamber. And it's like, well, okay, wait. So the bad chamber was refurbished. So now there's the good one and the refurbished one. Like, yes, okay, send them to the newly refurbished chamber that used to be bad. And it's just like, <laughs> so even when he's being imposing, throw them in the dungeon, you know, yeah. like ah, yeah. it's completely undercut by this like weird conversation. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. And when they're in the newly refurbished chamber that used to be bad. Yes. I like that one of the first things that they try to do is like put Momo in the wall. Well, okay, so that's, <laughs> That's it gets to another point. So we know the tests are all things that he had to yeah. do. He had to think differently about yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. And this whole episode, in fact, a lot of the jokes stem from the same thing where they're all things that like you think you know what it is and then it goes a different way. Like mm-hmm. they're in the room and they're like, the air vents, obviously, the Momo can go get us to safety. And then Momo just gets stuck. And then and they it, just leave him. They just leave him there. But like. <laughs> That's really funny because you think like, oh, I see where this is going. The air vents, Momo, you know, gets up, something happens. But like, no, that's not it at all. (laughs) One of the, one of my favorite jokes, it's really subtle. I I imagine it's a joke. I imagine they didn't do this accidentally. During 
the opening like slide in down the the mail chute like right at the end there's a shot where they're coming into frame and you see that they're heading towards a wall like on a rooftop like like kind of like the lip on the Uh rooftop and there's like some boards that look like a ramp so you like the way it's framed makes it look like oh right they're gonna go up the ramp and you know sail into the sky, but then they just crash through the boards and break the roof because of course they're in like a freaking you know eight hundred pound stone box. Yeah. Why would they go up some wooden boards? And it's just it's one of those things that just like oh yeah what, why was I expecting them to go <laughs> up the ramp? It's just you know like with all the tests and with all the things yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that Boomy's trying to teach. I just like that it. it it's thematically throughout the episode in addition to just being the tests. I don't know. I thought it was, I thought that was clever. What the hell is Flopsy? What do you mean? What is Flopsy? What is Flopsy? He's a bunny. All the other animals we've seen have been like, oh, it's a mixed up this thing or it's, you know, slightly, you know, I mean, I guess what's Appa? He's a bison with six legs and made of huge. Can we comment about like the fact that the first test was like a fashion test? But that wasn't a real test. It wasn't one of the deadly challenges. It wasn't one of the deadly challenges, but I love that it was still a test. It's just like, what do you think of my, my outfit? I want your honest opinion. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the duel. Okay, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's jump to, right to that. Another early master level bending course that we get to see. Yeah. I don't um, think it's really that interesting. I like that, you know, he has like two like really big scary guys to choose from to fight. And they're like. <laughs> like generic RPG villains. Oh yeah, no. They've, they've got like these like crazy weapons, like these insane costumes and shit. And you're just like, oh. Like, yeah, this they don't belong in this world. At no, all. they what are you don't. even doing here? No, they don't. And, you know, he, 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 I feel like he, he thought he was really clever doing this. He was just kind of like, I'm going to fight you, King Boomy. Yeah. And I, I he must have known he would choose him, right? Yeah. But especially when he goes, like, you know, he's like, oh, so whoever I point to, he's good. He goes, he gets real quiet and says, choose wisely. Like. Yeah. He he knows already, like, oh, he thinks of this. Well, because he knows Aang. Yeah. Yeah. You it's know? It's. I I like that he knows his friend enough, even after all that time, to, like, know how he's going to act. Yes. So he chooses to fight King Boomy, and he's immediately like, wrong choice. Mm -hmm. Pulls off his robe. You, like, see his hunched over back straightened up, like, vertebrae by vertebrae. He's instantly, like, taller, and he's jacked. It's like, whoa. He wears weird, loose-fitting robes on purpose to hide how... Buffy is. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's kind of a power move, I guess. Um, and then Hang is like, oh, can I fight one of the other guys? And he responds with, there are no take backsies in my kingdom. Of course. He's got <laughs> to have a weird thing to say about it. I There's really not that much to say about the fight other than that it's cool to see earthbending, I think. It, 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 you know, there's a lot of um, different techniques used. And um, Aang doesn't start to win until he starts to think outside the box and start doing things that aren't just Russian and hope for the best, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I do like that during the fight, Bumi totally calls him out on everything we've been saying. Yeah. He was like, typical, typical airbender, avoid and evade. Like, yep. when are you actually going to try and hit me? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's all he does. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, he eventually wins with, like, this crazy, what's it called, tornado thing that he makes. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of cool. Yeah, he ran in a circle to make a tornado. It was cool, and it makes me think, why don't we see more of that? It's, like, cool, or like, airbending moves. Like, 
because uh, I think he needed time to set it up. And yeah. Most of his enemies, because he it took him a while, it took Boomy a while to throw that big thing. Yeah. So it would be difficult for Aang to get the like you know firebenders aren't gonna like you know they're way more fast and. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, and then you know when he gets more ele- and more elements to work with, he uses those more. But yeah, either way, it was it was a pretty entertaining fight. Yeah, all in all, but I mean, he kind of ended on a stalemate because like, he yeah, he Aang got him, but he was also like, okay, but I have a boulder above your head. Yeah, you know, like putting I, I, out there that he's the strongest Earthbender. Yeah, you don't expect Aang to win. No, like, and I don't think the point was for Aang to win. The point was for him to learn a lesson, which is, which is, you know, Boomy says when he's all, you know, okay, well, that task is done. Now you have one more. And he's all like, I already did all your tasks. Yeah. And yeah. Boomy's like, what is the point? What's the point of tests if you don't learn anything? And his it's big very, question is, what is my name? Yeah. <laughs> I love, I love the, um. Sokka and Katara being, you know, Sokka's all like, uh, I know what it is. It's Rocky because of all the rocks. And Katara is just kind of like, we're going to keep trying, but that's a good backup. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, you know, letting him down gently. <laughs> she doesn't, what she really wants to say like that is a terrible idea, but yeah. he, he's trying to help. I don't want to be mean. Yeah. And it, mm. yeah. I do like that Sokka is consistently the one to find the bad jokes funny throughout the episode. Yeah. And, um, let us leave. And actually, <laughs> I think I counted three separate times where either Boomy or Sokka made an awful joke and there was a long silence followed by a distant cough. Yeah. And it's just, <laughs> that's, that's such a cliche, but it mm-hmm. works so well every time. I don't care. I'm a sucker for that. Good. So Aang does guess his name and, you know, and he's like, as you said a long time ago, I had to open my brain to the possibilities. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I liked that after, you know, they they hugged it out, which is funny because at that point, as far as Aang knows, his friends are still about to die yeah. from the rock candy <laughs> prison that they're in. Yeah. Uh, you know, they take the time to hug it out. But then uh, uh, afterwards, he has the challenge for Boomy. That I just love that it comes full circle to them going yeah. back down the slide. And of course, Boomy would delight in wrecking his own city with Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I love just... that the, uh, the ending quote, the last quote of the episode is my cabbages. Of course. All oh. about that chaotic, <laughs> fun time energy. All in all, I mean, it's it's a fine episode. Yeah, really funny. Hilarious. Doesn't really do a lot to move the plot forward. No. But it established a few things. You know, you get to see earthbending. You get to see not all earthbenders are nice, necessarily. Yeah, and, and King Boomy is an important character. Yeah, um, yeah, we do see him later. Yeah. It was a good way to introduce Earth as an element. Yeah, yeah, and, see uh, all the different uses yeah. and things. So that's a good time. So, uh, moving on to episode six, Imprisoned. Oh, right, the summary that is not good. I need to find a new site for these because... There's way too much editorializing I mean, in here. We could just write our own summaries. That's so, so much more work. I guess. The group arrives at a small Earth Kingdom mining town, which is occupied by the Fire Nation. They meet a young Earthbender named Haru, who is forced to hide his Earthbending abilities. Katara convinces Haru to use Earthbending to help save a man's life, but this backfires, and Haru is arrested and taken away in the night. Katara feels responsible to rescue Haru. She gets herself arrested and leads the group to an offshore prison rig where the Earthbenders, including Haru, are held captive and extremely demoralized. Katara refuses to give up on the downtrodden Earthbenders. 
Eventually, her activism pays off, and with a little help from Aang and Sokka, she sparks a revolt and empowers the Earthbenders to take over the rig and eventually reclaim their town. Again, another episode. Seen it a hundred times. Yeah. Plot-wise, doesn't do a whole lot, but very funny. <laughs> very funny. It, it pretty much, like, starts out with a joke. The, don't they all at this point? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, Was it the... Uh, Shouldn't we run away from huge booms? No, I was more or less talking about um, uh, <laughs> um. So when like Sokka collects oh, the, nuts. the nuts, and then we get like a, a <laughs> he's going through the nuts. He's got like a round nut. I've got an oval shaped one. I've got like ones that look like rocks that may actually be rocks. He like throws it, and Momo picks it up, and like you know starts to hit it on a rock, and it makes. It's, it's just, oh yeah it coincides with Haru's earthbending so yeah. Momo thinks he's like you really know really powerful done something which is not the first time Momo will be an earthbender this episode right? not the last time rather <laughs> but yeah that followed by the shouldn't we move away from a huge boom yeah, which yeah, yeah. is great because Sokka is apparently genre savvy and knows yep. enough to be like uh, why are we running towards the danger what's yeah. wrong with you yeah, yeah. so we see Haru practicing his earthbending and Sokka's like, he looks dangerous. We should approach cautiously. And then Katara just wanders up and she's like, hi, I'm Katara. What's your name? Yeah. You know, master of sunshine and friendship over here. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And so he's all like, I'm scared of people. Well, okay, no, he's scared of being seen earthbending, but Mm -hmm. runs away. And I, I just love that when they follow him into town <laughs> when when they confront him like oh yeah we saw your earth bending he's like what no uh mom don't believe them look at how they're dressed it's so like oh my god like yeah that's they, so rude of course they're the only people in the village that aren't wearing green what losers <laughs> shit okay i gotta say i love that people are like their clothing is color-coded for audience convenience i mean not a hundred percent. We did see on the Kyoshi Island, uh, about half those people are wearing blue. Interesting. But I guess they are like kind of halfway between yeah. the, the South Pole yeah. and like the Earth Kingdom proper. So <laughs> it's just, it's, it's a funny little, little like world thing. Yeah. I mean, it feels a little silly, but you could explain it away like, oh, well, that's the national colors and they want to be patriotic or well, some I mean, shit. Or, you know, we could just be like, it doesn't matter. You know, it's just an audience signifier. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It, it does. It's just, it's visual shorthand. Yeah, I suppose so. You know, which I'm fine with. It's just, it's I'm, funny. I'm just glad that they don't all wear the same clothes yes. in each, like, you know, each village has kind of its own style mm-hmm. and it'll be different shades of green and brown yeah. and not just like everyone wears bright green tunics. We're like, we're in the freaking Kokiri forest or whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, um, that it's a clever way to, you know, show that in this village, earthbending is something to hide. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, it's a good setup. It is. The way they do it. I like that this is the first sort of interaction that they have with a low-level Fire Nation dude. It's yeah. not Zuko. They haven't run into Xiao yet, I don't think. No, they haven't. They've just run into Zuko a couple times. But, like, this is just some, like, random captain or whatever who's shaking down the people for money. And I, I, I love the way he uses fire. Oh, it's so hard to control. Just the... the yeah. Like, the you know, implied threat without coming out and saying it. 
it's like i mean that that shouldn't feel that cool but for like a kids show to kind of have that sort of shakedown just feels kind of like like wow they're really they're really not you know they're not holding back they're not pulling their punches here no side note that the act natural gag right as the dude comes in the faces has one of my favorite still frames of Sokka (laughs) ever while he's just like wow this apple it's so I don't know why it just always (laughs) makes me laugh every time so I was looking forward to this episode for that moment and only that moment to be honest in this scene we find out that Ozai uses um this town's coal to fuel their warships and we do see their warships a little bit beforehand yeah um i I like that that's it's just sort of like a nice it's a nice little uh like world tie-in right there yeah it's a detail they didn't have to add but it makes it feel like this is a complete world yeah like oh of course they need to get their coal from somewhere and we might as well tie in like it's it's doing double duty right you have this episode about the earthbenders kind of rising up that are imprisoned but you you know they could have made it about anything but they decided oh we'll do coal and that works also for the earth they've been later and it just i don't know it just it's an elegant solution to tie it it together it is i I really like that yeah katara and haru's conversation about like their bending being like a part of their identity yeah i think is really cool because that's that's sort of like people that are cut off in some way from their own culture yes which to be perfectly fair neither of us can really speak no, 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 no. to yeah. firsthand we're both you know white as the driven snow americans yeah. but uh white. it you know it is cool to see that theme touched on in in a show like this where like you know even though everyone in the show is basically of a some kind of asian or indi- indigenous descent yeah um or in universe version thereof you still have people that are you know have to hide their their culture or or are yeah. somehow divorced from it and um, it's just i don't know it's just a nice thing to, to have i mean i could also um maybe this is me just projecting here you know feel free to stop me but it, it kind of reminded me of um, being LGBT, where you kind of have to hide that, even though that is part of your identity and it is something very important to you. Yeah, no, that's a valid read. Yeah. I, I definitely don't think that's what they were going for. Definitely but I, not, I think but that's that's it, how I felt it. It can stand in personally. for any number of identity issues. Yeah. And, I mean, that makes it a useful metaphor for just being vague. But well, yeah. it's just, also, it's just, I don't know, it's a nice lesson for kids. Like, you, you have to be yourself even if it's hard. Yeah. Can I ask you something? Yes. After they have their little conversation, they're a little like, oh, bending is so cool. Our parents are dead or missing, <laughs> whatever conversation. <laughs> That's exactly how that conversation went, word for word. Yeah, whatever. Protagonist <laughs> bonding. Ugh. And then, oh no, Haru has to use his, his earth bending to save the old man in the mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the fuck was that guy doing in an old mine Dude, anyway? I, okay, I have the same question written down. Because, like, it's literally, like, it didn't even look like it was a mine that was even in use. No. Didn't they refer to it as an old mine shaft old mine shaft so what is this dude like oh well old man jenkins just wants to relive the glory days when he was a miner like what are you doing i know it it doesn't make any sense i mean it 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 does break the the illusion a little bit but also it just makes me even more angry at that guy (laughs) yes this realistic show about 
you know, elemental magic. But you know what I mean? Like the, the, <laughs> the internal logic of it breaks yeah, down yeah, yeah. when you ask a question like that. You know, of course, the answer doesn't matter. The point of the scene is so Haru does a good thing that comes back to bite him. But it, yeah. it just like, especially fuck this old guy, but also like fuck this guy because like what... Are, why are you wandering around mine shafts looking to get collapsed on, dude? Right? I hope I sentence an earthbender to imprisonment today through sheer happenstance. I I'm love... sure that's what he thought of when he like woke up in the morning. I'm was... such a great citizen. <laughs> I like that uh we see Katara like really pressuring Haru. Like she seems to take it very personally. That he cannot use his bending. And it's like, it's kind of, there's a little bit of it that's kind of uncomfortable for me. Like, yeah, where it's Katara, like, this isn't, this isn't your village. Like, you could have just left. Yeah, this isn't your place, Katara. But, you know, I mean, it, her she, heart's in the right place. It is, yeah. But you you could see this as being a little bit naive, I guess. Incredibly I mean, naive. She's like, what, 13, 14? It's, mm-hmm. She's young. She's a kid. It's yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. When she finds out that Haru's been taken and, yeah. you know, the, the they have that scene with no dialogue where the pot, you know, she drops the pot and it shatters. Yep. It's a little cliche, but I, I think it sells it pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, she really blames herself for this. She feels a lot of guilt. like, And she should because, you know. It was kind of, well, I mean, the dude would have died. He would have died. But would anything of value have been lost? <laughs> <laughs> mm, no, I mean, okay, we're not going to go down that road. <laughs> a little uncomfortable for a uh, an Avatar po- uh, podcast. Look, I'm just saying I know. that old man had it coming. Damn, Tom. I just, it makes oh, me mad. We don't even get to see clearly if there was any benefit to turning Haru in or if he's just a freaking narc. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Old guy calling the cops just because a suspicious dude helped him out. I love her her plan to get arrested for earthbending. It was pretty smart. It was pretty smart, but oh man, was it kind of embarrassing to watch? Uh, yeah, a little bit. The, the I mean, the intentionally poorly acted like, yeah. argument. Although I do like that Sokka took it personally anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, back off. But the, oh my god. During that scene, though, her facial animation, yeah. they, they pushed it to some extremes there. It's very satisfying to watch. It's a very and good little bit of detail that they that they added to that. It it could have been boring, but it's it's memorable because of all that. So it's funny. Um, in that, Katara is a very bad actor. But yeah. in the previous episode, she just falls into character. Yeah. Well, I think she's got good improv skills, maybe. Yeah. But, like, maybe isn't so good at following a script, believably. Yeah, that's true. Is that, like, a thing? Can you be bad at one and good oh, at Oh, yeah, end? yeah, for sure. I'm bad at everything, so. Like, I, 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 can, I, can, I can fucking improv, but, like, put a script in front of me and I'm like, ugh. Yeah, so you're Katara. I'm exactly, that. that's who I am. Also, <laughs> that lemur is earthbending is oh so. And I, <laughs> no, you idiot, it's the girl. Oh, oh, of course. And he's like blushing. He's so embarrassed. It's, I gotta say, when this came out, this episode in 2005, that the lemur is earthbending was part of the commercial for like, you know, this week there's a new one. And like, it was obviously fake, but it's yeah. still, so I've, I've seen that joke play out a hundred times. 
but it, it gets me every time. It's just so because he's so earnest about it. So they get captured. Well, uh-huh. she gets captured. Yep. They put a potato sack over her for some reason. For some reason, a potato sack is just put over her clothes. I, I guess, again, visual whatever. shorthand. It's whatever. Yeah. Just because you can't have her just wear a potato sack because, well, that leads to issues of like, why wouldn't they take her necklace? And it's important she has her necklace on the rig. Yeah. And also, uh, preteens and just a potato sack is kind of awkward. It is, it is whatever. It doesn't matter. Point it's, is. it's just kind of funny to see her just like, and here, put on this ugly sack over your clothes. That makes you feel bad, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah. oh no, you got me. <laughs> oh no. Wait, and... speaking of visual signifiers, they should have known she wasn't an earthbender because she was wearing blue. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, <laughs> we don't need to go into that. Okay, okay. Um... I want to point out that the warden was voiced by George Takei. Makes a very credible villain. He really does. Very, um, uh, very cartoonishly, like... Ruthless. Arrogant. One foot out of line and you go into... Sol- one cough and you go into solitary for a week. week. Yeah. Like, yeah, that'll that'll teach you for coughing in front of me. Like, how dare you? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Just, just like definitely unhinged power tripping oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although it's nice that in that scene they establish Earthbenders have a clear weakness. Metal. Yeah. So she finds Haru, meets his father, and I think it's interesting that um, we see he's kind of a negotiator. He is the one that, you know, talks to the guards in, like, for the other prisoners. You know, he's kind of their representative. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, um, if not officially then because he's like he's the guy like you can tell just in like two lines of dialogue it's like oh he's the one in charge here absolutely and katara asks about their uh, escape plan just pretty bluntly she's like so what's the plan and they're like there is none like there is no escape plan like you know wait this out wait for the war to be over and then go back to our lives because he's more concerned with his people staying alive which is reasonable. It is reasonable. But it's also but, like they've definitely lost hope. Yeah. They are so broken at this point. And you know what helps to restore hope? A dramatic, moving speech from the heart. From from our girl Katara, our um, fucking Katniss Everdeen over here. Our resident hope bender. Hope bender. Oh my god. Uh, i do i'm not gonna go into her speech because it's it's so generic it hurts it is so generic and that's i mean it whatever kid show it's fine it it can they can be a little sappy sometimes i do like that the warden notices this going on and just kind of lets it happen because he's so confident that it isn't gonna do shit and it doesn't appear to anyway move the needle at all for any of these people and it's just like all right cool I actually do want to touch on one thing. I like that she tied her speech into uh, uh, the fact that the Avatar is back. Yeah. Because that is something to at least get them thinking about, okay, wait, maybe there's a chance. Maybe we don't have to be stuck here forever. So that night, Aang and Sokka come to break her out. She refuses without helping everyone because she's just... Stubborn as hell. Stubborn as fuck. She... But she's, she also believes, like, you know, we can make a difference. We can do it, guys. Like, she just, she doesn't want to give up. And I, I really admire that about our girl, Katara. Yeah, she's um, super cool. There was there was a really great goof where um, the Appa yes. <laughs> flew over some guards and they go to the warden. And they're like, 
<laughs> the warden like throws some dude over for saying bison and buffalo are basically the same thing. So yeah, so what he said like he's like, tell me exactly what you saw. He's like, oh yeah, it was a flying bison, and the other guy's like, like, yeah, yeah, it was a, it was like a buffalo with six legs. Okay, wait, was it a bison or a buffalo? He goes like, I, I don't know what the difference is, but is that the point? And he th- throws him overboard for questioning him. Overboard. I will that. decide what the point is, <laughs> which is already hilarious. But then you get like... Oh, wake up the captain. Uh, sir, that was the captain. Yeah. Well, then wake up someone I haven't thrown overboard. Oh my God. It's just so He's good. so unhinged. I love that. He's so like, cl- like the slightest threat to my rule. We need to literally go overboard. Jesus Christ. That was a pun. And I like that Aang gets to have a genius moment for once with realizing that Cole is Earth and they could use that. Was it Aang that thought of that? I thought it, it was Aang. Okay. It was Aang. Sokka, however, came up with the genius plan for it. The vent plan. Yeah. Yeah. Based on Katara's earlier vent plan. Yeah. So, so it they, all... a lot of synergy going on here. I they love make that. a good team. Yeah. I like that in the ensuing fight, well, for one thing, Katara tries to give another speech. Which, ugh, uh, just stop. Yeah. One is enough. But, like, Cole being used against firebenders is kind of cool because you, you see it, like, yeah. heat up and stuff. Uh-huh. But it's just like, ah. I love those little details. Yeah, yeah. But also, um, there's a cool couple cool earthbending moves they do where, like, that one thing where they, uh, Haru and Tyro, like, condense a stack of coal into like a big thing and use it to like shatter a gate or or Mm -hmm. just break a wall or whatever can i say i like that haru was the first one to step up hell yeah like well because he's the least demoralized at this point mm -hmm. well i mean and i I feel like in a way katara has affected him the most you know for sure i mean he's Uh, been demoralized by life under fire nation rule yeah, yeah yeah but not by prison specifically yeah and I, I just like that um, Katara couldn't, you know, move them herself. It had to be one of their own that took that first step first. Yeah, and that's that's nice. That's but good. Then, you know, Haru, then Tyro, then of course everyone's yep. going to follow when Tyro goes. Oh, yeah, no. But oh, another thing in that fight that was kind of cool, I don't know if it ever happens again, Momo helped out. Oh, yeah. Sokka was uh, breaking oh, their spears Momo. and Momo was catching all the spear tips and yep. I guess throwing them away. Which is kind of interesting, you know, when whenever they give Momo something to do other than be cute and funny and weird. Yes. <laughs> did they did they um just drown the warden? By the way, I mean, there's enough other soldiers there. I'm sure they got him to safety. Yeah. But yeah, the whole oh, I can't swim. Oh, don't worry, I hear cowards float. float. Is a pretty great line. It is, but I'm just sitting there like, did they just like straight up murder this dude? I mean. Uh, I guess it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. But, you know, again, I, there's a ladder somewhere. He probably just latches onto one of his lackeys and was like, you will swim me to shore. Whatever. <laughs> That's a pretty good decay. Is it? Yes. Well, thank you. So Katara gets like a win in this episode. You know, yeah. she gets to start a revolution. She gets to be strong, independent woman, you know. Sure. Then we see that she, you know, in the middle of, like, this high, she, like, reaches up and she realizes that she lost her mother's necklace. And who's got it? Zuko! Zuko, our man, our man Zuko. He gets to be all ominous at the end, like, ugh. This is, like, the first time 
we've seen Zuko in these two episodes. And maybe that's why they're not like my favorite episodes. Yeah, of course. Of course not. Because Zuko's my boy and I need more of that boy. He's I mean, great. He is a great like driving force for the narrative mm-hmm. because he's he's so fun to like yeah. for everyone to interact with. For um, sure. And, you know, being that firebender, he's he's just the forward moving, the passion. It's like, ah, you know, without that, it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, Earth people. Not that there's not firebenders here, but instead of being, like, fun and, like, complicated, they just kind of seem like, I mean, I don't know if racist is the right word, but mm. he, the <laughs> warden does use the line, that savagery that passes for bending oof. with you people. And nice. it's like, oof, okay, whoa, whoa, yeah. like... You know, say what you will about, like, the Fire Nation, at least Iroh clearly, like, respects his enemies. Yeah. Whereas this guy is just, like, he's he's drank the Kool-Aid. He thinks they're hot shit. And, you know, of course, he can't even swim. What are you doing on a freaking... Wait a minute. It was like... Where are they? Oh, it was like a ship building. Yeah. It was like a floating prison. Yeah. Like, what are you doing out here? You can't can't even swim. That should be a prerequisite. I bet his, like, dad bought him the position or something. (laughs) You Probably. know, you know, well, I mean, the Fire Nation is basically America. Yeah, damn. So it's like, you know, they got that nepotism everywhere. Yeah, yeah, they do. Anyway, final thoughts? I, You know, I think we pretty well covered it. They're not my favorite episodes because I want my Zuko, but. Yeah. They establish a few things going forward that are just, it's nice to have them yeah. in play. And knowing, they're funny. Yes. They are They are some of the funnier episodes, so I, I can really appreciate that. I don't think there's a single episode that's not funny in that's some way. That's true, but which is good. You know, there, there's some that are funnier than others, and, and these these had a lot of like great gags. Yeah. So um, next time we get to do the two-parter about the spirit world. Oh, hell yeah. That'll be very exciting to dig into. Yes, it is. Gonna have to do like some actual research on that shit too. Yeah. So I think that about does it for us. Okay. Thank you for listening. I believe we have settled on an update schedule, just so you know, of Tuesdays and Fridays. We're going to try and do this twice a week because we got a lot of show to cover and I don't want it to take most of a year. Oh, real. Because we also want to cover a lot of other shows. Yeah, we do. And things that we like. We might slow down if it becomes too much or, you know, whatever. We'll let you guys know in the next episode or whatever. But yeah. So thank you for listening. Thank you to Snesse for letting us use the track Unity from the EP Digression. You can find more of their music at snesse.bandcamp.com. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can email us at deeplorepodcast at gmail.com. That's Deplore Podcast, all one word. Do we have any other business, podcast business? I don't think so. I think we're good. Cool. All right. So uh, this has been Tom. And this has been Beth. And until next week, it's 9 p.m. Do you know where your lemur is? great that's my vocal warm-up do you like it it was great it was perfect that's gonna go on the podcast that's going on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) uh should we just get started now um
Sure, let me um let me finish my vocal warm-ups. That is not a vocal warm-up. That's just you hitting your face. All right, stretch my cheeks. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, that's probably that's probably warmed up, right? Sure, Tom. Okay. <laughs> let me uh let me pull up my uh let me pull up my notes app here okay. so All I right. can see you're fucking crazy what person. the fuck I'm doing. 